Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by co-host Diddy Algama and our stalwart producer, Simon Josie, to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey to both of you, how are you doing? Hey back, Nick, how are you? I'm all right, all right. Hey Nick, how's it going? Um, yeah, it's it's going, it's going. Um, I've got child-based illness trauma, but before I get into the the sort of ins and outs of sick children, I want to uh, give a shout out to someone very special. We are obviously across a lot of different podcast apps, and you can pretty much get us uh, in your ear holes using most modern technology. But there's one podcast app that is uh, that I quite enjoy, Good Pods, because they have a lot of independent podcasts. And there's someone on Good Pods that I think we really need to thank, and that is listener uh, Michael Bailey. Hey, Michael. You are one of the few people who regularly engages with our content on Good Pods, rates the podcast all the time, writes lovely little reviews, and uh, I just think it's it's about time we acknowledged uh, one of our stalwart listeners. Um, so yeah, well done. Uh, good for you. Thank you very much. Keep it up. I'm not sure if the others have anything to say. Maybe I've said it all for them, but uh, they can offer their praise at their leisure. Oh, no. Apparently not. Oh, no. <laughs> apparently just going to be dead air. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Michael Bailey. Um, isn't it isn't it cute that uh, Nick has already said stalwart twice today? Yeah, I was really, really annoyed, but now <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go back on it because I don't want to annoy stalwart producer Simon. That's three times. So, yeah. Well, there's no better word, though, right? It's a stalwart word. So, Michael, keep it up. Uh, you're a champ in, in, in our book and uh, yeah, uh, keep up those reviews. It's really boosting our uh, rating on Good Pods. I think we were number one a couple of weeks ago. Ooh, so nice. hooray for us. Yeah, I know. It's nice to be number one in something. Um, eventually we'll overtake all those uh, um, celebrity podcasts. We're coming for you. Barack Obama. I don't know if Barack Obama still has a <laughs> podcast. I feel like he probably does. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little going a bit crazy, folks because my daughter's got scarlet fever, which means that she's just annoyingly sick. Not like the good kind of sick where they're really quiet and they lie down and don't annoy you, but the kind of um, sick where they're fully active and yet um, also aren't able to go to kindergarten. So yeah, we, we uh, uh, it's kind of bad as well because I, I totally didn't believe that she was ill up until the point she went to the doctors today and the doctor said, oh no, she's got scarlet fever. So, um, my wife is basically battering me for that. Is it still going around? I think I read about scarlet fever in Little Women or something like twenty-five <laughs> years ago. I mean, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty low-level kindergartny kind of um, virus. Uh-huh. Like most kids get it. Do you know what the weird thing is? On Saturday, I was reading an article, very long-winded Süddeutsche Zeitung article. I mean, mm. is there any other kind of Süddeutsche Zeitung? article but it was it was one of those overwrought kind of upper middle class articles written by some parent about how terrible it is when kids are sick um in their first winter in kindergarten and how it it can be just really awful because kids are always getting ill and, and that's kind of reading it rather skeptical and going oh god like it can't be that bad and then lo and behold my daughter gets sick and it's not as bad as the article professed but it's it's not great it's not great at all to be honest having sick children no 
you know, Nick, this is just the start. It's just going to go on for 15 years. Yeah, that's my concern, <laughs> right? My concern. Well, why haven't they got the constitution of their father who never gets sick, you know? Um, from the perspective of a teacher who works with students, who stick things in their mouths all day long, like fingers and pens and fingers and pens, catching things in school is, a, is something I don't want to think about, but have to. Occupational hazard, I think, is the term. But um, yeah. do the kids put their hands over their mouth when they cough? Because that's what we've been teaching our daughter to do. No, they don't. I mean, in what, oh, God, in what clean universe do you live in? I just want her to behave like she's got some sense. That's all. That's the, the aim uh, is that she works out that she's not the only person in the entire world. And so we went to the supermarket on Saturday and she was just coughing in my face. And I was like, look, we're getting the supermarket. You need to cover your mouth. She's like, why daddy? And I was like, because no one wants you coughing in their face. And fair play to her all the way through the supermarket covered her mouth she's learned to cough into her elbow from the kindergarten she was doing all of that and then as soon as she got out of the, the the supermarket just looked at me and then coughed directly in my face as i put her in the car and i was like you you're too fucking clever, <laughs> too fucking clever Typhoid you, mary honestly yeah it really is really is so <laughs> hopefully it won't be i mean so to you bad, though but i well i mean it's nice that you use my uh my official name <laughs> It's not, it's not often people call me Mary. It's really nice that you did. Um, it's really made my day. Like now you're in a position to spread all those kindergarten gems to other people, having been coughed on your face. I just cough on people in the uh, in the Strassen barn in the morning. They, they love it. They're really happy about that. Oh, uh, yeah, they do that. So. <laughs> they like wipe, wipe their noses and the back of their hands and yeah. then grab on to the, some pole. Oh, uh, yeah. They I'll love that. I'll say... <laughs> I'd say most people, most people seem to have learned from the pandemic and they're generally pretty, pretty, pretty good at not like rubbing their germs everywhere. But there's, there's a lot of kids, little kids don't know better. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, anyway, moving on from sick, small children and kindergarten viruses. Uh, uh, I found an article and as soon as I read it, I thought this is, this is made for Dilly essentially. And it's, Sadly, it's coming from Bill Zeitung, but the article I've taken is from the um, Redaktionsnetwerk um, Deutschland. So this is a story about the Bundeswehr, the German military, and, it, mm -hmm. and apparently via a leaked email to Bill Zeitung, it transpires that the Bundeswehr are looking to save money. And where are they going to save money, Dilly? Going to save it on food and get this, right? <laughs> You start off quite good. You think, all right, this will be okay. Let's see how this, this pans out. Saving money, that's not necessarily an awful idea. And so they're going to uh, reduce certain elements of the, uh, the rations that they get. And these include things like beef roulade, meatballs, hamburger meat, zander, which is a type of fish, salmon, cod. But this is the bit you might get upset about. They're going to get rid of cherries, peaches, strawberries, oranges, and watermelon as well. So it turns out the Bundeswehr have a very similar diet to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the moment you started on this topic, I've had this like joke in my head and I need to get it out because I've been giggling at get it. Get out. This is the place. So, you know, leaking things to the press is as close as the Bundeswehr is going to get to vegetables. 
Oh, right. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, got, that's got the makings of a solid joke. Yeah, I did. I see. I see what you've done. Bit of pun work. Not bad. Uh-huh, not bad. That's me. I see. I see my humor's rubbing <laughs> off on you, Dilly. Uh, <laughs> sure, take credit for that. Of course I will. I'm a man. I take credit for everything. Wait until I tell your joke later in the in the segment and then pretend it's mine. That's how it works, right? Um, so one of the one of the quotes was from, from Bill Titan was the aim of this uh, money saving initiative is to reduce the shopping cart of the uh, Bundeswehr. Um, um, Nick, Nick, read the list of berries that they won't be having anymore. Well, it's cherries, peaches, strawberries, oranges, and watermelons. Right. So aside from strawberries, it's just things with tiny pits and stones. So you don't trust the army to be able to not choke on cherry pits. But sure, let's give them the bullets. Okay. I see where this is going. I suspect... I, I mean, I like the idea that you think all of these things are going to be fresh. <laughs> like, I like the, the in your imagination that the, the soldiers are off on maneuvers with, with and, and they pull out a punnet of fresh cherries, and everyone's like, "Oh, hooray! <laughs> grill party!" No, I, I have a f- suspicion. I don't know, but I have a suspicion that a lot of that is probably going to be some form of, of, of freeze dried produce. But um, there's also some point they're making that. That fish is only going to be served once a week. Beef will be replaced by chicken and pork, and vegetarian and vegan meat substitute products might also make an appearance on menus from 2024. And you can imagine how uh, Bill Zeitung reported this with its typical low-key journalism. You know, it's just all alarmism. They're like, "Oh, they're going to take away our roulades." I think it's one of the headlines. I suppose, like you know, coming from the build, I would have thought they'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's gonna that's gonna teach people. Let's have pork in it." I mean, isn't that right up the street of build? Like serve pork to people? Like what? What? Like Marcus Serda was on the committee or what? <laughs> well, if if you're gonna if you're gonna fuel your your military with any particular German uh, element of of the German diet, then it's gonna be pork, right? I mean, it's got to be pork. Like intestine um, clogging, yeah. pork, okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you want. All these soldiers on on numerous two-lot toilets for the rest of the, uh, the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, let's not give them any fibre. Let's, you know, this is, this is boot camp. <laughs> There's no fibre for you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to poop. <laughs> oh, I feel for these poor guys, honestly. I know, but I want to focus on something that I don't think has got much attention. I mean, what does it say of the military if we can't make changes to the menu and not have the email leaked? I mean, this is really poor form. I don't know how much it's been leaked and how much Build just got a hold of it or someone sent it to Build who was in... I don't know. I don't know how much of it's a leak. I mean, if this is what's leaking out of the Bundesvier, it's not the greatest story ever told, is it? But it does, it does beg a few questions. Like... So I, think, I believe it, the quote is attributed to Napoleon Bonaparte, but he apparently said that an army marches on its stomach. And apparently the Bundeswehr are like, nope, nope, that bit of, uh, <laughs> of, of military uh, knowledge is, is, is from the past. Uh, what we're going to do is, is reduce the amount of rations. I kind of feel sorry for the Bundeswehr. They're most very maligned group. And also uh, um, they're not very popular, as I think we've talked about a few times on the podcast. And now they're just like, 
We, the, 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 the basically can't, I mean, I think it's only the, the, the start of this week or the end of last week that one of the, the lead generals criticized the government for not really investing as much money as they said, or at least not getting the funds to the military as quickly as possible that there was meant to kind of bolster the army. And, uh, and now they're like cutting their food, um, options. It just seems like, come on, like, what do you, what, what do you think's going to happen here? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta feed them, equip them, so they're ready for any potential defensive needs. I'd heard some months ago that they were struggling to spend this, this money that um, that they'd been promised. You know, uh, shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine, and uh, it just occurs to me. Well, here's an obvious way to spend the money: you just improve the, you know. Improve the rations, the quality of the rations. There, you'll definitely spend the money if you do that. Well, they have a pretty pretty checkered history with spending money. It was it wasn't a few maybe half a decade ago, maybe it was about twenty fifteen, where they they bought a load of uh, of drones and then discovered that they couldn't actually fly them in Germany because it would be illegal, and so they couldn't actually like like try them out. Uh, and, and so there's like there was this sort of history of of kind of them 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 not necessarily spending money in the right places, and obviously. The danger is always you give the military money and they will spend it on something, whether it's just something they need is, is kind of, it's a weird trope that no military seems to really get it right when it comes to sort of military spending. But, um, I think in this instance, the least they could do is give them like extra Nutella or something, you know? I think, um, I think the bottom line is they they want to save on water and toilet paper. Because everyone's just going to be bunged up. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, we have this the 20, 22nd regiment of mass mass constipation. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> you know what it's like when you go camping. I remember going camping as a kid, and I didn't want to take a shit in the bushes for like a week. So, so maybe it's for all the you know field exercises. Yeah. Did I overshare there? I'm sorry about that. I mean, I, I, hey, you, you know, you know, guys, how I'm like a, a part of the 17th century army, so like I kind of know about these things. For an afternoon, you are maybe. If, yeah, you know, and I'm drunk most of the time. The, the yeah, if the toilets are anything like like on a campsite, then uh, um, I can understand why you would avoid them. To be honest, but it's uh, yeah, it just seems a bit just seems a bit unfair, right? Just a little bit, a little bit cheeky on those those poor uh, um, soldiers out there. <laughs> you know, I, I can't stop thinking about it because if you're going to give someone guns, the least you want to do is to also feed them properly. <laughs> You don't want to give people guns and and not give them a fruit. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's it's that thing of like, well, we've given them the the, the skills and equipment in order to um, wage war, and but we're not going to feed them. Um, and nothing bad can happen. Surely, they're definitely not going to come for us. You know? It's like giving people a gun at a target. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty much pretty much what's happening there. No, I mean. I I got to assume that the the German military are better trained than that, and it's surely not as bad as everyone's saying. And I mean, anything to get better rations. I mean, there's a great YouTube channel where they eat military rations, and they show you what are in like K rations and all these different rations mm -hmm. packs that various militaries have, and people collect them. You know, people collect all the different yeah, rations. Yeah, I'm, uh, um, yeah. And and it's it's a I mean it's a weird hobby for sure, but I can't really say anything about weird hobbies, right? But I just think it's it's one of those things where there's like certain militaries get it right, and and and, and can produce like great food for their for their um, armed services, and then others just I've got I mean I've got to assume the British aren't getting it right just by stereotype. I mean there's only there's only so many 
packets of baked beans you can eat. I think there's a there's a group of soldiers before you sort of tap out. You know, I don't need more of this. Um, at the risk of seeming like a terrible bore, um, I'd like to provide us all with an update about a story we covered in Decades from Home, episode 119, which was published on the 25th of March earlier this year. That story concerned a proposed law change to Germany's federal electoral system, a proportional representation system based on each voter having two votes, one to decide the representative for their single seat constituency or their electorate vote. And I'm going to continue to say electorate vote because that's easier to say than constituency for me anyway. (laughs) Um, And the other vote they have is for a political party or their party vote. Um, I'm not going to go into the the details here. Uh, That's what Wikipedia is for, right? But due to the particular design of the system, the total number of seats in the Bundestag has historically been variable. So overall, the makeup of the Bundestag or how seats are allocated amongst the competing parties is determined by the share of the party vote. That was the second vote I talked about. There are two types of MPs, those directly elected MPs, the electorate MPs, and what we call our list MPs, um, taken from the lists uh, published before the election by each political party. That's one of the things that I always find quite funny when you see posters uh, during an election is it would be the name of the of the candidate and then the place they are on the list. And then you like, you always feel sorry because there's always people who are like, uh, Platz Eins on, on the list. And then like, they're like, the, they've got like big posters. And then you'll see a really small poster and it's like, Platz Wolf. <laughs> it's like, so way down the list. You know, oh, oh, shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, so the overall distribution of the electorate seat MPs may not align exactly with the overall party vote. And it's the overall party vote which determines the proportional representation of the Bundestag. Okay, so this is a problem. And this leads to the creation of something called the overhang seats. I think they're also called leveling seats in Germany as well. Um, To sort of balance the distribution between all the different parties. Yeah, exactly. So, So these are additional list MPs which are added to the Bundestag to ensure the overall party seat distribution in the Bundestag reflects the nationwide distribution of the party vote. That was the second vote that I talked about earlier. Now, the minimum legal number of MPs in the German Bundestag is 598. However, the frequent requirement to add list MPs to maintain proportionality has seen significant numbers of overhang seat list MPs. Most strikingly, after the 2021 federal election, which saw the Bundestag balloon to 736 MPs, making it the largest freely elected parliament in the world. We're number one. We're number one. We're number one. Yes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Winning. The story we covered in March was about a proposal to impose a hard limit or a maximum of 630 MPs in the Bundestag and to achieve this by eliminating all overhang seats. Again, I'm not going to go into the detail uh, because that would take half an hour. And again, you know, Wikipedia. But in simple terms, the overall proportionality of the Bundestag will still be determined by the voters' party votes. But this means some electorate MPs who have legitimately won their electorate competitions will actually be prevented from taking up their seats in the Bundestag. As we reported at the time, the proposal disadvantaged the CSU and Die Linke, Uh, based on historical voting patterns. And so they're sort of up in arms about it at the time. In fact, I think 
they're actually they've got a a, a legal case to challenge this this mm. uh, this proposed. Well, there's in fact what has actually become a law. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. De, De Linka might not have anything to worry about with this new Sarah <laughs> Wagenknecht um, party that's been created. The Saga, mm. Sarah, Sarah Wagenknecht um, Alliance, I think it's called. Uh, which yeah. seems to be hiving votes off De Linka. So maybe they don't need to worry about getting seats in the Bundestag in the next election. That, that's a good point. I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think actually we need to do a story about that because that's mm. a, that's actually a really interesting oh, story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so since our initial report in March, the proposal has actually become law. And in June, the Sud Deutsche Zeitung uh, reported that the federal president, Frank-Walter Steinmeier, had signed the new law, personally satisfied it was constitutional. Okay, so the the law was actually passed in the Bundestag in March with mm. the support of the Ample Coalition partners, the SPD, the Greens, and the FDP, plus a few uh, AFD deputies. It passed through the federal co- uh, council in May, whatever that is, and was then sub- subject to the usual legal examination in the federal president's office. So you have the federal council, if I'm right, the federal council is the, uh, is it, maybe I'm getting this wrong, uh, it's because it's in English and I'd know it if it was in German, but the, the oh, federal you. council is the, no, because the federal council will be the representatives of each state. So whether that's the minister presidents or someone appointed by the minister presidents. So then you have that those guys will discuss it, and once it gets through that, then it goes to sort of ratification. I think pretty much. Yeah, I I seem to remember that there's a constitutional court in Karlsruhe, I think, and I and I believe when we talked yeah. about this in March, the the law had gone through the Bundestag and and was going to go to the constitutional court in for ver- uh, ratification verification mm-hmm. uh, in Karlsruhe. That may actually be covered in what I just said. I just don't know exactly some of these these terms. Um, okay, so if I'm if you're still awake, if you're still with me here, you might wonder why is this at all interesting, especially to a relatively recent immigrant to Germany like me. Well, one of the things I delight slash bore uh, <laughs> people uh, or telling telling Germans is um, is that is that the electoral system of New Zealand is an almost exact copy of the German federal electoral system. In New Zealand, we call it MMP or mixed member proportional. Mm-hmm. And in fact, and I like to sort of rack up the, the the Brits about this, we actually voted to change our electoral system in a referendum held in 1993. God, not another a, referendum. <laughs> a, abandoning, well, it, it's, yeah, okay, I don't, you know, trigger warning referendum. But the fact is that we, you know, a lot of, should we say, progressive British uh, voters would say that 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 you need to do something about the the electoral system in the UK and 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 you know most countries most should we say progressive enlightened uh, democracies in the world have have adopted a uh, a proportional representation system. Um, we in New Zealand we used to have what's called the first past the the post system, um, which is is basically what they have in the UK, and mm-hmm. arguably in most elections, uh, federal and state elections in in the US as well, I believe. In fact, if you go onto Wikipedia, there's a there's a list of many countries that still use F, um, some form of first past the mm-hmm. first past the post. Um, I'm almost finished, promise. The, the The first New Zealand MMP election was in 1996. And just a month ago in October, another general election was held and negotiations are currently ongoing to form a new coalition government in New Zealand. So in New Zealand, the mm. parliament consists of 120 MPs, 60 electorate uh, MPs and 60 list MPs. 
However, for more or less the same reasons as exist in the German system, overhang seats also exist in the New Zealand Parliament, and this year's election has actually resulted in a new Parliament of 123 MPs. Now, that overhang seems pretty lame compared to the current Bundestag one, and thus it doesn't really raise many eyebrows in New Zealand. I would also like to suggest that any proposal to limit the size of the New Zealand Parliament in the way that the German Bundestag will now be limited, that would probably cause a big outcry in New Zealand. And I think the reason for that is that the the voting public in New Zealand probably consider their electorate MPs to be somewhat sacred and not to be messed with. And and I suspect this is also because the the electorates MPs obviously connection to their to their electorates and also the recent past history with um, first past the post where all M- MPs were electorate M- MPs and and in fact I remember from the debates of the times in, in the the mid 90s or the early 90s is that one of the reason people were saying no we shouldn't do MMP is because you just have a whole lot of MPs elected to Parliament who have no connection to the people. Um, I don't personally subscribe to that, but but again, this is why I found it so interesting that the law had changed here in Germany because it seemed that they were giving preeminence to the list MPs and and not to electorate MPs and and you know electorate MPs were actually not being allowed to take or not going to be allowed to take their their seats in Parliament, which as a New Zealander I, I find really interesting. I was reading some articles about about various politicians over the weekend, and there was one that was talking about how. There was uh, an, an MP from, uh, it was Nord Rhein-Westfalen, but they actually live in Saarland or something like that. They sort of live in, away from their constituencies or the places they're meant to be representing, mm-hmm. which doesn't, doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel like you're sort of, you've got a, 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 a specific member as you would have in the, the New Zealand or the UK system where this is the representative of my area and I can go and see them. And they're going to ask them questions directly. I can go to the, the surgery and sort of speak to them. But um, I mean, surgery is the word we use in, in Britain to talk like MP surgery is what we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go and sort of complain about your bins or whatever that is that's annoyed you. I, I mean, that still exists in New Zealand. It's just that mm. the physical size of the electorate is is much bigger now. So there mm. are, you know, one electorate MP uh, has to deal with a lot more um, constituents. But I think what you lose with the local MP element, you sort of gain nationally by having a better, a more representative parliament. Oh, like a- absolutely! I would say like that's the the, the, the trade off, right? A- absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm feel quite lucky because when I when we were doing the debates in the in the early nineties, I mean, I was at university from 89 to 91 studying politics and actually studying all these different systems. And, um, so it was really interesting to, to actually live through this period because actually I was extremely well informed about how these different systems worked. And, um, yeah, I mean, our conclusion, I think my class, our conclusion was that MMP was definitely the way to go. And then like two years later, we were in a referendum voting for it. So it was pretty cool. Hey, it's like you manifested that with the willpower of your student vigor, I think. Imagine what I could do with my willpower, Nick. (laughs) Terrified. (laughs) The way way he looked at me scared the shit out of us. I think he wants me to die. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, I mean, this part of me quite liked the idea that the, the, the sort of the language you're using, you're like, oh, it's the, the electorate's expanded and there's more people voting and better representation and that. That, that that changes the 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 number of MPs from 120 to 123. <laughs> I was like, that's like, oh, that's that's quite sweet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not sure where this is going, but I don't like the tone. I <laughs> know. Oh, I just, I, I mean, there's there's various jokes I could make about hobbits and sheep, but I am better than that. We are as a podcast are better than that, and we will not we will not engage with that gutter kind of uh, humour. Um, but I'm definitely thinking about it, <laughs> just, just so you know. <laughs> yep. Okay, so maybe this is not what the German Bundeswehr needs to know. But um, <laughs> but last week I bought Fallow Deer Venison. It's called Dumbwild in German and that was from the Frankfurt Stadtwald shop. So that's the official forest shop. So these are animals that are officially culled. You know, it even says on the packet that they may carry bullet fragments, which kind of chilled me a little, as it should. But, you know, they have a disclaimer. It was my first experience in the shop. It was my first experience with game in Germany. And since shooting deer or wild boar is illegal in Sri Lanka, I needed some time to wrap my head around the fact that there are official hunters, there are state entities for hunting. So this hunting of game in Germany is done very officially and people have like shops and you can contact hunters. Uh, I, I just found it to be quite fascinating. And Dilly, I've got a question. Mm -hmm. Right. I've got like, well, I got lots of questions about this, this venison thing. First one is uh, less a question, more a comment. Like, I'm really glad that you've moved away from fruit and now I've just gone <laughs> like even further past like the meat section and gone to like, I'm going to get some hunted food. <laughs> I'm going to get just... something that's got buckshot in it. So like <laughs> more power to you, Dilly. I'm very supportive. My, my, my second thing is a real question. What is that shop like? Because I've got an image in my head of like it's got animal heads on the on the walls and there's like a gun rack. Like, what is that shop like in Frankfurt? The Stadtwald shop. The Stadtwald shop. So it's it's inside the forest, and um, if you're buying meat, you can actually drive in. If you're not going to buy meat or to the shop, you can't take your car inside into the forest. It looks like a little like a like a, a wooden lodge kind of place from the outside, and inside Great. is. Great. Uh, it's one of those, you know, they like these ice cream, you know, where they have ice cream in these glass cases. So there's like a glass case, but this is not where they keep the meat. So they have like cute little jams uh, made from like forest berries or whatever. And little wood figurines carved and that sort of thing. And on the walls, you don't have hairy wild boar taxidermy heads or whatever they are. Uh, you do have Ooh. a very... <laughs> You do have a very informative framed poster that has the different kinds of animals that are culled and sold in the shop. Mm -hmm. And there are different cuts of meat. So like mm -hmm. venison, neck, hulls. Uh, and mm. you know, there's like an arrow pointing to the hulls. And then in brackets next to it, they say like, you know, what it's good for, like slow cooking for a long time, uh, like goulash. Um, and, you know, it's pretty helpful, this informative poster. 
and um what are ah, yes they also have like a stack of um like a small book of recipes so how to cook the duck uh what wine pairs nicely with a mouthful of buckshot <laughs> i am not entirely sure does it have does so you've got duck you've got venison you've yeah. got what what I mean what else is there like pheasant I suppose or something I suppose, like that um, or? I mean it said I mean the the booklet said rabbit but I don't know whether they have yeah. that in the shop so there's different kinds of like so there's like the big the big huge reindeer like deer and there's mm. dumbbilled and then there is like the little fawn kind of deer <laughs> you got to eat bambi oh fuck you why are you eating bambi <laughs> why do you eat bambi I'm just moving up in the food chain now. I eat the things that eat the fruit. Right. What the listeners don't know is I'm cl- currently holding my smallest child in my arms. Right. I'm having to cover his ears from this traumatic information <laughs> that Delhi is. Don't worry, son. Don't worry. Don't worry, mate. It's okay. <laughs> Auntie Delhi didn't eat Bambi. Oh, you've made the baby cry. <laughs> oh, Nick, that's just oh, oh, fuck you royally for that. <laughs> I can't believe you're swearing in front of my child. <laughs> so, you, you, how did you find this place? I found this place because my very good friend here in Sachsen-Anhalt uh, sent me a photo of some butchering she had done in her kitchen. It was just mm-hmm. a big chunk of meat, and I was like, ah, oh, uh, you know, she said she made some kind of uh, like like some goulash thing over the weekend with a deer, and then it occurred to me that. Oh, you can actually buy deer in Germany and quite legally mm-hmm. at that. And then she said, "Oh, you know, if you want, you can contact Jens, our hunter." And then I thought, and then like suddenly, like you know, I had the like Jens on my WhatsApp, and this is like uh, I don't know whether this is Sachsen Anhalt or just Germany. So I don't actually have a good gynecologist here, but I do have a hunter on speed dial. <laughs> 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 that is that might be the most german thing that's ever been said on the podcast <laughs> my medical my medical care is substandard but i've got an ace hunter in my back pocket <laughs> and it, it just felt like uh, i i had to cross some kind of like integration milestone and then she said uh yeah you know this is where he lives just send him a message um and he just it's just just remember that he sells meat by the kilo uh, but but actually by like you know in 20 kilo chunks mm-hmm. and there is no way i could have like stored 20 kilos of meat um uh, in my freezer dilly i've i've got some questions and you know even though i have a semi rural background and you know pause for effect while nick figures out a joke to make about that um what's what's the appeal of wild game um i mean i i can think that there might be a few things obviously there's taste but is there expense um or is it a lifestyle thing could you maybe just for those of us who are a little bit little bit curious about why people choose this kind of meat over going to the supermarket etc one thing is uh, rather boringly it's um, meat that is not treated with antibiotics or farmed but does that actually make it taste better because <laughs> i've heard that wild meat often doesn't taste that good compared to really? factory farmed meat at least to our modern taste buds 
I must have very vintage taste buds. The, the the problem I always had with this sort of game and venison and, and mm. it was the, like it's it's stringy, isn't it? Because it's it's meat that's actually been on the move. It's not just been sedentary, like standing in a field. It's like running away from stuff, and so it's this quite sinewy and it is a different texture. It can be very nice, but I've had I've had rabbit before and I did not enjoy it whatsoever. I've had a bit of venison. I remember that being okay, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's is is that the appeal? Is it is it not just is it the texture or is it like how you can cook it? I it wasn't chewy at all. I mean, uh, the lady at the counter in the shop gave us a recipe, like a step by step on how to make goulash, but I I made like huge changes to it. So I added a ton of tomato paste to my uh, to my dish, and that really gave it like a very dark, glossy, acidic kind of like taste and look i was hoping for leftovers i made it with a nice uh, apple and carrot coleslaw uh, and and it was just inhaled by my boyfriend and it wasn't chewy at all it it wasn't string i mean the meat feels different you feel like the silver kind of sinuiness to it um, and it also said that it was an older animal that was killed it said um mm. alter tear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh old animal i'm thinking that you would serve this on like mashed potato but but maybe i'm just Mm. it's a preconceived notion is that how you served it i can see the appeal of mashed potato i it certainly appealed to me at the time when i was cooking but we didn't have any potato at home and i just Mm. served it with rice like like i i I can serve anything with rice Mm. yeah you're a rice person you would know Simon. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I am a rice person. Not but... neck. <laughs> I, I eat rice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fruit. <laughs> it's a fruit. I don't eat it. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love rice, but it's it doesn't agree with me. Um, oh. My waistline. Put it put it that way. I just yeah, rice is. I love rice, but I just no, it's not yeah. good. It's not good. So is this going to become like a regular thing then? Have you like sort of found a replacement for your? For your bog standard Metzgerai is is Jens, your your happy go lucky <laughs> hunter with the shotgun. Is that is that who we're we're sort of vending from from now on? Yeah, the state run shop is actually the alternative for the mysterious um and exotic Jens because I can't afford to buy twenty kilos of meat and I have nowhere to store it. I don't think I have enough muscle in my arm to work my way through twenty kilos of meat chopping it up in one go. Um, but but you know Jens was had had his appeal. There was a nice profile photo on WhatsApp with a little tiny dog that I can't imagine hunting in the woods, yapping at all the deer. But you know apparently it does. I don't know. Just just having his number and contact details in my phone, it just means something to me. Like one of the things I really hate about Britain is how much land we dedicate to pheasant shooting and yeah. how like apparently having a pheasant moor is is the same as building a wind farm and so you get loads of money from the government so you effectively just give loads of money to rich people mm. so that they can piss about shooting birds like a bunch of posh twats and i kind of brought that mentality when i moved to Bayern, which is very i mean this is very Bayern culture you know like mm. sort of hunting uh the sort of jaeger societies and and clubs and stuff like that and the 
I don't know. It feels it feels it certainly feels different when I've encountered hunters when we've been cutting down trees and, and collecting firewood, which we do every couple of years, and you encounter the hunters knocking around in their big orange high vis vests. And they're not it's not it's not sport so much because you get the hides mm. that are like sitting uh, there'll be like an open field and there'll be a hide up on a um on, on, a, on a ladder somewhere mm. um where they'll sit and wait for deer to come out into the field and they can shoot them that feels less sporting mm. but certainly there is an element of of kind of it's not so much sport it's functional it's either mm. population reduction or it's um mm. um that's food they're actually hunting because they're going to use that to eat not to hang on the wall mm. so i do kind of i don't know I, part of me feels like i shouldn't think it's good but the other side of me thinks it is quite a kind of oddly nice if i can use the right word i don't know maybe nice there, is the wrong word but yeah it's a nice kind of aspect to it my father when he was 15 used his father's gun for the first time on a king cobra that was next to his younger sister had he said anything she would have moved and he, uh, she would have uh, like snakes bite so she would have been bitten so what he'd done mm. was uh, he, he hadn't used a gun before he brought out the gun and he'd shot the cobra in the head and if you're shooting at a cobra you also want to do do it in in one go and this is something yeah you don't want, you don't want to miss <laughs> you, you will be like okay let me do that a second time yeah you, you know you're not going to get that <laughs> chance <laughs> redo 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 <laughs> a bit to the left so and um, my father spent quite a few years as a as a young boy with his father where they were farming in a huge forest somewhere in the wilderness and i've heard like stories from him and also like when i was growing up and we have this like little not i mean there's this marsh marsh kind of land next to our house and there is like freshwater fish and all the people not all the people but people in the village fish there and i've always had like wriggling fresh fish brought to our doorstep where my father my father's very pleased with himself i am too and my mother she puts her foot down and says well you'll have to get someone else to cook this for you because i'm not cooking freshly caught fish because she sees it alive and she can't do it and right. as a kid i would like i would like watch someone clean the fish have nightmares about it and also eat mm. it and my mother can't can't she she doesn't eat fresh fish i mean not fresh water fish caught behind the house she does eat any other kind of fish just not that and i don't know i think it's a part of my father's life as um from all the stories i've heard and um there are certain things that he has done or uh, that i kind of i've kind of taken on not not uncritically as such like um he also had a bunch of cowboy books when i was growing up and i got hmm. them all Dilly, are you going to tell us that you once shot a king cobra? Is that because that would be so cool <laughs> with a six shooter? <laughs> there was a king cobra in our garden that used to come out into the sunlight every day at eleven a.m. And one because one day it was having a fight with a mongoose, and my mother had thrown a stone okay. at the mongoose. The mongoose went away. The cobra was alive, and it came back to that spot every day at eleven. At the same time, my mother would go out. <laughs> the cobra for a would come out. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, my mother would go out of the house. The cobra would come out and they would like, you know, exchange like some kind of feeling. And my mother was really sure that this cobra was coming back to say thank you to her. I mean, maybe. <laughs> that that she's a strange kind of woman. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, Nick, bring your bring your son back. This sounds exactly like a Disney story. Hey, she, she's making. Up I was going to say. I was going to say. There's a real. There's a real jung, jung, Jungle Book vibe Absolutely. to all of this. Where we're sort of. I really love it. It's great. Um, I don't know. The, the, I I think again, what you're talking about in Sri Lanka is such a practical. It's practical knowledge, practical use. Like, why have a gun? Well, there's king cobras, right? That, that's a good reason to have a gun. Straight, like, I'd fucking have a gun if if there was king cobras knocking around the street. Like, I'd definitely be 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 inclined to do that. But I think things like fishing and hunting. And it's interesting as well because I was just sat behind a car today that was had an advert for like a um, hunting lessons, basically mm. hunting and fishing lessons. Mm. And I was thinking like. There's obviously a lot of opposition to hunting for a lot of very valid reasons, but I think there's an element of like lost skills in, in there. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I don't want to get old Joe Rogan, right? And mm -hmm. sort of like, let's go bow hunting and eat and eat the flesh of a dead animal we've killed. It's not, but I do often think about, especially with fishing, it's such a, as a hobby, it's mm. quite a relaxing thing. Yeah. And you can catch fish and throw them back. And, but at the same time, it's also a really, it's a really useful skill to like know how to yeah. how to fish yeah. and, 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 and and that process and the patience it teaches you, I think are really, really useful. Yeah. Um and again, as though I'm not inclined to sort of skin and eat an animal, I mean the knowledge of how to do it, you never you never know, right? You never know when you might that might be a very useful knowledge to have to, to hand. I can't imagine I'm gonna get lost in the Andes anytime soon. Um, Nick, will Christoph go with you? If Christoph goes with me, I'm surviving. <laughs> if the zombie apocalypse happens and Christoph's around the corner, I'm safe, man. If my brother-in-law's there, he's got he's bringing axes. He's probably he's got some very useful skills. He's got multiple knives. Um, is, yeah. is there is there a German term for prepper? Just wondering. I guess it's. I think it's probably prepper, isn't it? There's an element. I mean, there is the prepper sort of community that exists. Not as hardcore as it is in the US, but every house has a basement mostly. So it does incline one to think about, well, maybe, maybe, you know, if I could turn this basement into some kind of shelter, um, I might be all right. I think there's definitely uh, um, definitely room to think about it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to check out one of these shops. I want to see if there's one close to us. Um, the, the the idea of, of trying it out, at least. I just love the idea that these places exist. I think it's... I'm not, whether I go to them or not is, is 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 regardless. I just like the idea that they that that they they're there, you know. Yeah, and um, I mean they don't actually have the meat in front of you. They you can't see it. It's not like in a supermarket, at least not in this shop in Frankfurt. So they first say like you know how many people do you want to feed this to, and it feels like a very a very intrusive question. <laughs> <laughs> but but actually she just and because then that person decides how much of it you're going to eat and we said yeah it's just mm. the two of us and she said okay okay and she went inside and uh she came back uh out with a packet of meat and uh, that's what we bought mm. so it you know if he had you know we it would just be enough for us for like two meals for two people and um mm -hmm. and she decided that for us uh it, that was also very German. 
<laughs> so, I know what you need. You, there's no way you'd be able to work it out. I, I mean, you um, know, yeah. I mean, she wasn't she wasn't thinking of food prep, multiple meals. Oh no, how many people do you want to feed this with? Two people. That's it. You get nine hundred something grams of meat. Before we finish, there's one thing I want to pick us up on. If you've not, I'm, I'm not. Don't think you've mentioned it yet, but it's worth worth noting. Is your attempt to tip the salesperson? <laughs> I did want to tip because I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, um, it it came up to seventeen euros or eighteen euros. So um, mm. I handed her uh, twenty euros and said, yeah, you know, uh -huh. um, uh, keep the change. So. Yeah, es stimmt so. And she said, oh, no, uh, we machen das ganz genau here. We, are, we, are, we do things exactly. We are quite exact here. And, uh, <laughs> and at the end of the day, her till has to balance or something of the sort. And uh, I, I don't know. It felt like the Secret Service was on her back or something. <laughs> <laughs> Finanzamt, they're watching. They're everywhere. It's behind you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a German tax office, no? Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably exactly the thing. I mean, this kind of trade is notorious for being under the under the table, isn't it? Right, right. Ah. That makes a lot of sense. Oh, you, you've never heard of that, Dilly? No. You have no familial experience with uh, black market. Uh, oh, okay, fine. Black market king cobras. <laughs> <laughs> That brings us to the end of the show. I'm off to teach the lads some basic hunting skills in case they encounter King Cobra. Shit, is that a King Cobra? Oh no, it's not a King Cobra. It's a, it's a errant cucumber. Anyway, if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on Apple? Sorry. This is so stupid. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, which only takes a minute. I can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag Decades From Home, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dillion at Dillyalgama, and you can tweet me at 40%German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All I have to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Tschüss.